Hello, and welcome to the Encouragement Expert Podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Let's join Pastor Wes Doffenbaugh as he gives us an encouraging word titled, The Faith Coach. Praise the Lord. It's a delight to be with you today. I have a wonderful message, and uh, I want you to pray with me that the Holy Spirit will uh, anoint you to hear, just as I pray that he anoints me to speak. All right, Father, that's our prayer. We want to hear from the Holy Spirit. We want you to help us here. I pray you'll help me, you know, take me over, Lord, speak through me, and we vow to give you the glory. So bless this message in a marvelous way. Surround each of us now with your warrior angels and uh, to protect us from interference and put your ministering angels beside us just to help our receptivity. And uh, we ask all this for your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. My message is entitled, The Faith Coach which, of course, is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Now, salvation from sin and eternal judgment is also salvation unto. So we're saved from hell, but we're saved unto Jesus, unto being conformed to his likeness, living eternally in God's home and his presence. This gift of salvation is only received through faith. The faith that enables a person to receive the grace from God, and grace is defined as activated power, you know, forgiveness, healing, infilling of the Holy Spirit, divine direction, deliverance from calamities. The faith that helps us receive that is also a gift from God and comes from the coaching of the Holy Spirit. The faith doesn't originate with us. It originates with the Holy Spirit revealing the will of God. The Holy Spirit doesn't force anyone to have faith because believing is, you know, believing God is a choice of our will, our human will. The Holy Spirit enables people to believe and receive. He coaches us to have faith, and then if we'll cooperate with God, we can have all kinds of faith uh, as good as any Bible hero had. They all received faith the same way. They all got uh, faith through revelations of the will of God from the great faith coach, the Holy Spirit. Now, that's my introduction. My first point is the essence of faith is a revelation of God's will. The Bible says, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That, uh, that's the rhema word of God, the present tense speaking of God as the Holy Spirit uh, communicates to you. Faith comes from him. Faith comes from the revelation of God's will, from the word of God. Now, faith doesn't come from the individual. It comes to the individual. God speaks his word and reveals his will, his power, his promise, and his character. This presents faith to the individual. The person chooses to receive or reject this faith, which is itself a gift, since no one could earn a revelation of God's will. It's too precious. Now, the Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. We must never be proud and think, oh, what great faith people we are. You see, faith for overcoming the next crisis will also come from God revealing his will to us. And it's as if he holds out faith on a platter for us to take by believing. But uh, you can have all the faith in the past, and then if you get to thinking it originated with you, 
you won't be ready for the next crisis where you need to receive it from him. If someone presented a gift to you and held out a beautifully wrapped, expensive present, they could not force you to take it. You would still have to choose to receive it. Your choosing and, re and receiving would not mean that you earned the gift. You would have to reach out your hands and, and take uh, that gift. So there'd be a little effort involved, right? A little effort to say, yes, I'll take it. You reach out your hands, you take it. There's a little effort. But that effort is not uh, earning the gift. All right? Now, we receive faith by choosing to believe what the Holy Spirit reveals to us, the revelation of the Word of God. The raising of your hands to receive a gift is not the kind of work that earns the gift. I'll say that again. If, if someone goes to hand you a gift and you reach out your hands, that's a little effort to do that, to grasp the gift, to bring it back to yourself, that's a little effort. But that effort didn't earn the gift. God told Noah, or God gave Noah, a gift of faith and a gift of deliverance for his family from worldwide destruction. Remember, God told him that he was going to destroy the entire world with a flood. We came, we, this last month, uh, Bonnie and I spent uh, several days in Utah. Utah is just filled with uh, evidence of the great worldwide flood, the, the sedimentary rock. Uh, well, anyway, I can't go into a geology lesson. But uh, Noah built that ark for 100 years. Now, the Holy Spirit revealed to him just what to build, the exact dimensions, and told him to cover it within and without with pitch to prevent leaks. Noah didn't earn that revelation gift. But after receiving the, the faith as a gift, he did work and thereby released his faith in order to receive the miracle. And so the Bible says faith without works is dead. There is an action involved in the release of faith. And some miracles require a continuous action, like Noah, over a hundred-year period, and, and even longer than as he gathered the food, loaded the ark, got in the ark, and then he had to eventually wait and get everybody off the ark. Now, uh, so sometimes the, the miracle is just a single action. Sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a series of actions. The Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. Righteousness only comes by faith. And faith is when you believe the will of God as revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is dealing with every single person on earth to, to try to bring them to faith. And, uh, and we want to give ourselves over to be his, uh, his vessel. A giver might say, you know, will you accept this gift? And then... In that case, the potential recipient would first have to say, yes, yes, I'll receive that. So with their words and the action of reaching out their hands, they would receive the gift. But if the giver didn't first reveal his or her own will to give the gift, the giver would not have anything to say yes to. <laughs> now, my second point is the Holy Spirit reveals the will of God. The Holy Spirit is the revealer 
of what God wants to give. That's why I call him the faith coach. The Bible says, who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2.11. Well, if no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God, then no one can reveal the will of God except the Holy Spirit. Now, if he reveals it to us, we can reveal it to others, but we weren't the source of the revelation. No one but the Holy Spirit can reveal what God wants to give. And this is, this. listen now, this is why no faith hero is exalted above any average person. You might pick somebody in the Bible like Elijah and then compare yourself to them. Well, don't uh, put them up on a higher category than yourself. They were just a plain old average person like you or like me. <laughs> They were not the source of their own faith. They were plain old ordinary people. Now, the Apostle James wrote, Elijah was a man with a like nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. James chapter 5. Scriptures do not give us the details of how Elijah received faith to pray for a three-year famine of divine judgment. But the Bible does tell us how he got faith to pray for the terrible famine to end. All right, now the Bible says, and it came to pass after many days, that's many days of the famine, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Now that's where the, uh, that, that is the Holy Spirit giving faith to Elijah there. And he has to say yes to it, take it, and then get it in his heart, and then release it through words and actions. Elijah did reveal himself to King Ahab. Now, Ahab had searched everywhere to find Elijah for the purpose of killing him, because Elijah's the one that said it's not going to rain until I say so. <laughs> and God was speaking through him. And so the king had sought to put him, capture him, put him to death. Now, so then all of a sudden God says, go show yourself to Ahab. That takes faith to accept that. You got to accept that and then go show yourself to the guy that wants to kill you is the release of faith. But where did he get the faith? He got it from God saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain on the earth. So with that revelation of the will of God came the faith for him to appear to the king that wanted to kill him. And then he commanded that king, gather the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. They had a duel of the prophets. If you know the Bible story, Elijah called fire down from heaven, lit the sacrifice. The, the 400 prophets of Baal couldn't get anything to happen. And when the people saw that God, the real God, uh, the Elijah's God, uh, was the real God, then they put to death the prophets of Baal. So the Holy Spirit presented this faith to Elijah, and Elijah had to believe it and act upon it. That is, he had to accept the revelation of God's will, which, which is in essence faith. He let it go into his heart, then he released it by action. But appearing before the murderous king Ahab wasn't Elijah's idea. You see, the faith didn't originate with him. Now, after the duel of the prophets and after the prophets of Baal were all executed, Elijah said to King Ahab, go eat and drink, for there's the sound of a heavy rain. 
1 Kings 18.41. The Holy Spirit had already spoken, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Now in a cloudless sky, the Holy Spirit helped Elijah hear in the realm of the Spirit. He heard the sound of a coming downpour, downpour like a flash flood. And Elijah believed God and and, uh, and let that go into his heart. Then he started releasing faith by saying to Ahab, and I'm paraphrasing, go celebrate, go feast. I hear in the spirit the sound of a coming downfall of rain. This, this terrible drought has ended. So Elijah was loaded with faith from the revelation of God's will that came from the Holy Spirit. And he did not earn this revelation by works but it took some work to fully release the faith <laughs> necessary to reverse the weather. The Bible says that Ahab went off to eat and drink, uh, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. And he told his servant, go and look towards the sea. Each time the servant came back and said, there is nothing there. And Elijah didn't weaken in faith because God had already given him two revelations that the rain would come. The first revelation was when God spoke and said, go show yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain on the earth. The second came when the Lord helped him hear the sound of the abundant rain. He heard into the future. So now he's got the faith to pray that the rain will come because it originated with the Holy Spirit. He's accepted it and now he's releasing it, which is going to bring about the miraculous rain. He told his servant to go look towards the sea a total of eight times because the Bible says after the first time, the, 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 the Elijah said, go back seven times. That would make a total of eight times. So the seventh time of looking again, the servant saw a little tiny cloud as small as a man's hand rise up out of the sea. That's a little bitty cloud. <laughs> But at that point, Elijah quit praying, and he knew in his spirit that he had the answer. And so he released faith again by saying to his servant, you go tell King Ahab, hitch up your chariot and get out of here before the rain stops you. Now, that took a lot of faith to go tell that murderous king to leave quickly before the rain would prevent him from leaving. Because, uh, you know, if, if the rain didn't materialized from that little tiny cloud, that king would get mad again and, and uh, be chasing Elijah to murder him. So this marvelous demonstration of faith, I'm trying to get you to see, didn't originate with Elijah. He said yes to it. He believed it. He had to release it. But it came from the Holy Spirit revealing the will of God. Now, what that should do in your heart is to wake you up and show you, you can be just as you can receive miracles just like all the Bible characters did that received miracles. You can be in the faith chapter of Hebrews 11 right along with them. So uh, these revelations, remember, were not earned, but they had to be accepted and believed. And then faith from the heart had to be released through, released through words and actions. And this is where faith has works, but it's not the kind of works that earns a gift. It's the kind of work or action that releases the faith. Elijah released faith by words and action, and so there was a tremendous uh, miracle reign. But this supernatural faith didn't originate with him. It came by a revelation of the Spirit who revealed God's will to him. Now, both Noah and Elijah, Elisha, or Elijah, uh, received faith by saying yes to the Holy Spirit 
when they were offered faith on a platter. That's what I call it. When the Holy Spirit reveals his will, he gives you faith on a platter, basically. You have to accept it. So they chose to receive and believe the word of God, and faith came by the word of God as Paul wrote. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. My third point is that God is the one and only source of faith. We often put Bible heroes, you know, in a special category that doesn't include us, and we think they're so amazing. I could never have such great faith, but that's nonsense. You could have just as good a faith as they had if the Holy Spirit reveals the will of God to you. And God can reveal his will by sending an angel, by giving dreams or visions, speaking through prophets. Mostly he gives a revelation of his will through his written word, and then the Holy Spirit makes that come alive to us. He can also give us faith by speaking directly to us or even appearing to us. But in each of these ways, the faith comes from God. It originates from God. Now, I'll say it again. Faith doesn't, uh, faith doesn't originally come from the individual believer. It first comes to the believer from God. And when the revelation of God's will is received and believed, then faith can come from the believer as it's released through words and actions. But be sure of this. If it's if it's real faith, it has to originate with God. Here's another Bible example. The great faith coach, the Holy Spirit, began dealing with young King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, in the second year of his reign. And God gave him a thought about his own mortality. And he began to wonder what would happen after him. Now, that was God starting to deal with his soul. And... Uh, God says, you know, my spirit will not always strive with man. Turns out God strives with everybody trying to get them to believe. So this king started pondering on that thought that came from God, that he was going to die someday, wondered what would happen after him. And then God gave him a dream, a most unusual prophetic dream that showed what would happen after him for thousands of years and into eternity. <laughs> but God did not give him the interpretation of the dream. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, was so captured by the dream and the desire for a correct interpretation that when he summoned all the, quote, wise men, unquote, and the cult practitioners of Egypt, he told them, tell me the dream and I'll know that you can interpret it. And then they rightly said to him, there is not a man on earth that can meet the king's demand for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Daniel chapter two. Well, they were right. No one except they don't, uh, we shouldn't use the small g gods, uh, no one can show it or reveal the will of God except the Holy Spirit. All right, now their response so enraged the king that he ordered that every wise man in Babylon be put to death. And Daniel and his three friends then were rounded up to be executed. And Daniel calmly asked the man in charge of the whole execution, just said very calmly while he was being arrested to be executed, why is the decree of the king so urgent? And the man explained the situation to him. He liked Daniel. He didn't want to kill him. And uh, uh, then Daniel said, let me appeal to the king for some time. And, and, the, and the guy let him do that. And the king agreed, appointed a time, 
gave Daniel some time to, to pray and seek God for the revelation. So Daniel went to his house and he told his three friends to, quote, seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now he's depending on God to reveal the will of God. He's looking to God. And the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have made, uh, now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel chapter 2. Now when Daniel appeared before the king, the king asked him if he could reveal the dream. And Daniel accurately said, no wise men, uh, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. See, this is the great faith coach, the Holy Spirit. He knows the mind of God. He knows the will of God. He's the only one that can reveal the will of God. So Daniel said, there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he's made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. And then Daniel said, but as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me. Uh, this, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. In other words, God was revealing this because he was drawing this uh, murderous, prideful, arrogant, wild man of a king, he was striving with him. He was giving him faith. He was revealing the will of God to him. So the interpretation revealed that after the empire of Babylon would come a Persian empire, then a Grecian empire, and then the Roman empire. And then it revealed that in the days of the Roman Caesars, God would set up a kingdom that would never end. And of course, that's when Jesus came and, and set up the kingdom of God and, the, and the, the vision that was given to Daniel and first to this king was that this uh, a rock cut out of a mountain without hands would, would grow and become a great mountain and it would crush all the kingdoms of the world. And so that vision is still being fulfilled. The kingdom of God is still growing and ultimately it will replace all the earthly governments of this world and Jesus will rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years, then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. But that prophecy is not my focus here. My focus is on the coaching of the Holy Spirit and how he deals with lost souls. Now, this heathen king was starting to say yes to God. When God brought the revelation of eternity to his mind, he pondered it instead of getting drunk. <laughs> See, a lot of people, you go walk by a restaurant in an airport and they'll have so much liquor. Why is there so much liquor? Well, because people want to drown the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When God starts to deal with them, many people just don't want to, they want to say no and they want to, they want to drink, they want to take drugs, they want to drown it out. But that's a good way to end up in hell 
Why? Because you, you can't get to heaven unless you get there by faith. By faith you receive righteousness, the gift of righteousness. You have to receive it by faith. You'll have to say yes when God begins to reveal himself to you. Well, when the king heard the meaning of the dream, he fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering of incense be offered up to him, which wasn't the right thing to do, but that's the way the king acted. So the king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you've been able to reveal this mystery. Now see, his heart was beginning to be drawn to the Lord through that revelation. That's the beginning of God's dealing with this one soul. And then later, in a fit of rage, this king ordered Daniel's three friends to be burned in a furnace. He commanded everybody to bow down and worship an idol that he'd made. And uh, they wouldn't do it. So he threw them into a furnace heated seven times hotter. And God sent an angel to walk with them in the flames right in front of the king. He could look into the furnace and see four people walking around, but he only threw three in there. <laughs> And he called them to come out. And when they came out, there wasn't even, uh, their clothing wasn't even singed. No, no burns, no smell of smoke. And then the king said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. So he's really getting a revelation of God. But then he, he goes and acts like the dictatorial uh, king that he was. And he said, therefore, I make a decree. <laughs> That's all he knew to do. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there's no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Now this king, that was Daniel chapter 3. But this king was not a yielded believer with saving faith. The Holy Spirit was giving him progressive revelations, <laughs> striving with him. The great faith coach was dealing with him, but this lost soul was starting to say yes to God in a series of progressive revelations. Now, eventually, he had a dream that a, a great tree would be cut down and the stump would be there. And, and, and I don't have time to tell you the whole dream. But God warned him that he was going to be driven insane and that he was going to spend seven years out in the field eating grass like a cow. And Daniel warned him, told him to humble himself, that he, his prosperity might be prolonged. But eventually he was boasting to himself how he had built this great Babylon for his own glory. And that's when he was smitten with uh, insanity. And so then when his mind came back to him after seven years, he was thoroughly finally converted, became a great believer, and wrote one of the chapters in our Bibles, Daniel chapter 4. Now all of this is a prime example of faith coming to a person from the Holy Spirit. You notice that over and over, God revealed himself to this king who little by little kept on accepting these revelations until at last, the faith to be saved offered by God uh, came into his heart and he released it through his powerful testimony in Daniel, you know, chapter, uh, chapter four. In October of uh, this year, just recently, uh, 11 through 17, I attended the Feast of Tabernacles, which is an event held in Hartford, Vermont at uh, Praise Chapel. There were eight speakers at this event, and I was one of the eight. 
Now, a good numbers of the leaders there, as well as many of the speakers, so leaders that didn't even speak were there, and, and then many speakers who received special revelations from the Holy Spirit, like dreams and visions and stuff. I receive a revelation from the Spirit, but typically it comes very quietly in a non-spectacular way as I meditate on the Scriptures. And uh, I began to uh, experience an attack of the enemy, of the devil, that was trying to make me feel inferior and unworthy and self-focused. Out of these eight speakers, you see, I was the only one invited to minister two times. And I began to wonder, you know, about being worthy if I don't see visions or dreams. How come the, I'm the guy that speaks twice? <laughs> My head began to ache. And uh, this progressed into a terrible migraine headache. Now, while I was in that state, God impressed some things into my spirit. No wise man, enchanter, or believer, or prophet, or speaker is a reveal of mysteries. None, none are the source. Only the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. And God impressed this truth into my spirit. If you compete with each other, you're actually competing with the Holy Spirit. See, the devil is trying to get me into a self-focus where I would uh, feel inferior and then try to compete with the other speakers and, and outdo them. That sounds like the devil, doesn't it? Well, he tried that. He was trying that. But the Lord helped me by showing me that uh, I don't have to compete with anybody because none of them are the revealer of the will of God, only the Holy Spirit. And if we do try to compete with each other, then we're really competing with the Holy Spirit. And so the headache subsided. I entered into God's peace, but uh, uh, it helped me greatly to just relax and yield myself to God. And then I began to pray, use me to reveal your will. Use me to reveal your will. But knowing that I'm not the source of any revelation and knowing that the other speakers aren't the source of any revelation helped me get my focus off myself and on to the great faith coach who is the revealer of mysteries. The next day was Sunday morning, and God used me to reveal his will to heal people's bodies and heal their wounded spirits. And we had a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We had four teams ministering, and the, the leaders that ran the teams were involving the lay people there to anoint people with oil and get them to pray, and people were getting healed all over the place. I got to pray with some that were that were healed when I got to pray for him, but people were getting healed all over. And the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals God's will to us. And listen, he'll do that in ever progressive, progressive ways if we keep saying yes to God. That's so important. The Holy Spirit's trying to reveal the will of God to you. If you'll say yes, it'll become a progression. And, but you got to keep saying yes, and he'll, he'll keep on revealing the will of God to you until he conforms you, you know, completely to the image of Jesus. But we got to remember, we're small. He alone is great. Now, my fourth point is, why do people go to hell? I mean, it really bugs me to pieces. It's been bothering me for a long time that anybody, no matter how wicked, would burn and scream forever in a non-ending, eternal torment, never a break, never uh, a parole, but eternal suffering with worms eating them, fire burning them, unbearable heat, unbearable smells, unbearable sounds, just constant terror and pain, not a drop of water. Now, that bothers me. And uh, <clears throat> so 
here's what God has been showing me. If God can reveal himself in this way to this brutal, prideful king of Babylon, you know, why doesn't he reveal himself in this way to every person? Why doesn't God strike everyone to the ground with a bolt of divine light and speak to them audibly as he did to murderous Saul of Tarsus when he converted him into an apostle? He struck him to the ground, knocked him blind, and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. And so he was converted. Now, why doesn't God do that kind of thing to everybody? Well, I want to try to give you a good answer. God once said, My spirit will not always strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Genesis 6.3 God does strive with all people. God's spirit reveals himself to them, to everyone. He offers each a revelation of his will, and if they accept it, they move from faith to faith. And so even if they're a heathen, even if nobody's come to preach to them, the Holy Spirit's dealing with them. And, you know, Abraham hadn't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ or that Jesus would be raised from the dead, but, uh, but he believed what God told him, and the Bible says his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. And so all over the world, God is dealing with people. Now, the vast majority are shutting the dealings off and just denying the Holy Spirit. And so if they would cooperate with him, he would make some way for them to hear, some way where a, a vision could be given to them. He would continue to progressively work with them. Now, Paul wrote, for in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, Romans 1.17. See, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. And the Bible says, for God may speak in, this is from Job now, Job 15, uh, God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, when slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deeds and, con uh, and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. So I believe the Spirit of God is dealing with all humans everywhere and that no one goes to an everlasting hell unless they have rejected God's efforts to draw them to himself. But I believe the vast majority reject the first, second, third, fourth effort of the Lord to deal with them and draw them, and then, uh, then they are proving they don't want God, and that's why they'll end up in an everlasting hell. Now, Jesus said this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. John 3, 19. Paul also wrote the coming of the lawless one. That's the Antichrist, the really big Antichrist. Uh, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. 
Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So Paul gave two reasons people go to hell. They refuse to love the truth and they had pleasure in unrighteousness. And Jesus said they love darkness rather than light. Now, the great faith coach, the Holy Spirit, began to deal with me when I was a little boy. My sister Donine gave me a Bible story book for Christmas, or else it was on my birthday. I don't remember, but it had a picture of Daniel uh, in the lion's den with the lions and an angel there. And uh, I wore the cover off of that book. I broke the binding, wore the cover completely off. My little heart was beginning to say yes to God, even though I wasn't saved. Now, when I got up to 12 years of age, one time uh, I was about ready to open a box that had a little Bible in it, get out a letter from the minister and pretend I was getting a letter from some famous person. And God's, this strong thought came to me, you've read the letter a hundred times, but you've never read the book. You're a big boy now. It's time to read the book. That was the faith coach starting to give me faith, starting to deal with me. And I said yes to it. When he said, you're a big boy, now it's time to read the book, I didn't realize that was God, but I took the Bible to school and I began to read it. And when I read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I liked everything I read about Jesus. But when I got to John 3, 3, that's where my world was upended. He said, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born of the Spirit, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. And I said to myself, if I was born again, I'd know it, but I don't know it. Therefore, I'm not born again. That means if I die, I'd go to hell. Now, I wasn't the worst sinner in the world at 12 years of age. My dad never had to spank me. And uh, I didn't, uh, I sure wasn't uh, a very bad sinner. But, uh, but I was being convicted because I needed saving faith. I needed God to give me the gift of righteousness. There was no way I could earn it by being good enough to go to heaven. Well, I began to pray every night, oh God, can I be born again? Can I be born again? I didn't know how to receive. And I'd watch Billy Graham crusades on television where he'd call people forward to receive Christ. And I just felt sure that if I was there, I could go forward, but I couldn't seem to make anything work alone in my, uh, in my basement room. Finally, my parents uh, attended a rancher's camp meeting in the Black Hills where three different denominations of, of rural people met under a tent in the Black Hills and did a cooperative meeting. And someone spoke that really knew God and gave an invitation to receive Christ just like Billy Graham did. And when I realized that I could receive Christ right then and there, boy, my heart began to pound rapidly. And it was just as if a drawbridge from heaven was lowered to me so I could cross over into a new kingdom. And God literally gave me the faith to be saved. He was holding it out there, but it was as if he was saying, will you accept me? Here it is. Here's the faith. You can do it now. And, and uh, the preacher said, if you believe Jesus is God's son and he died and rose again, ask him to forgive you for your sins. Then ask him to come into your heart. And then as a public sign that you have received him, stand up in front of all these people. Now, the, I absolutely knew that if I stood up, I'd be born again. There was not a single doubt. The Holy Spirit was giving me the faith. It did not originate with me. It was given to me, but I had to say yes to it. And thoughts came to me. You'll be embarrassed. Your parents are here. What will they think? You can always do this later. 
But another thought came, this is what you've prayed for. You may never have another opportunity. Oh, I wonder sometimes what would have happened if I would have thought, I'll do it later. I might have gotten killed as a teenager and end up in hell forever. But I seized the moment. I said yes to that voice of the Holy Spirit. I prayed the prayer, and when I stood up, that was the release of faith to stand up to show that I received him. But I, I didn't know this would happen, but God just flooded into me. Oh, I was filled with volcanic, holy joy and laughter. I bit my lip so as not to cause a disturbance. But wow, was I ever wonderfully born again. Now, my whole point is that the faith doesn't originate with us. It comes by a revealing of God's will. And if I had said no to any of those drawings of God and promptings, like uh, here's a Bible story book. You're a big boy now. You'd never read the actual Bible. Uh, you know, I might never have been saved. But I kept saying yes until, until the actual salvation gift was received. Now, when God reveals his will to you, he's holding out a gift of faith. He's saying, will you receive this gift? It could be salvation, could be the baptism of the Holy Spirit, could be deliverance from addictions, it could be deliverance from any type of demonic oppression, it could be divine healing. He's basically saying, will you receive me? I, I took the faith, see, and God wants you to say yes to whatever his dealing is with you. Paul wrote, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation, one translation says. The Bible also says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's good advice. Psalms 95, 7. That's what's happening to most people. They do hear his voice, but they harden their hearts, and then they don't go in, on into this progression uh, where eventually they, they get saved. If we don't say yes to that first revelation of God's will or his calling or prompting, we don't qualify to receive the second and third revelations of God's will. Friend, listen to me. How important it is to say yes to God and avoid saying no to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. My fifth point is that we can and must cooperate with God. The great faith coach, the Holy Spirit, will give us revelations of his will, which will present all the faith we'll need to cross over from death to life, from sickness to health, from poverty to provision, or from calamity to deliverance. It's important for us to want this spiritual coaching and to seek it, to prize it, and to value it above all else. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs 2, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. When I was at Vermont at Praise Chapel, uh, I enjoyed speaking again with a lady we call Mama Betty or Aunt Betty, uh, many call her. She's a prophetess. She's 85 years old. As a young mother, she had six kids. She was desperate for finances, and she became 
I mean, she was just a young in her early 20s, and she'd already had six kids, one every year for six years. But she became a showgirl and a dancer and a stripper. And one night, uh, she, she basically died, and her spirit left her body and was falling into hell. And she says, I thought hell was filled with old people, but she said, there was so many teenagers in hell. Well, she cried out as she was almost in hell and said, oh, Jesus, please don't let me go to this awful place. And something pulled her back into her body, and she was wonderfully converted. And now I'm, I'm going to quote from her book. Okay, she wrote a book called Mountain Moving Mama. And she says, as I stabilized, I began to grow warm. I could feel the peace of God flowing all over me. Jesus appeared to me. Betty, I'll let you live if you'll go tell the whole world that I'm coming. Oh, Jesus, I answered. Who do you think is going to believe a stripper? And Jesus said, Mary was a prostitute and she was in my ministry. But Lord, my husband left me. I was referring to Bryant. I was raised up to believe that for someone like me to be right with God, you had to go back with your first husband. And I said, he's married. They've got kids. I can't get him back. Jesus said, the woman at the well had more husbands than you. And she went and told many, right? She went and told the whole town and they all came out to see Jesus. And so she writes, I knew that many people came into relationship with Jesus because of her testimony. And I was running out of excuses. Well, Lord, I'm not educated. I'm not smart. I don't know how to read some of those words. I can't read a chapter in the Bible without missing words. How can I teach your word? Betty, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the greatest professor in the whole world. He's going to teach you the word of God. What's his name, I ask? And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> then she writes, for days I felt as though I were floating. It was so peaceful. During this time of peace and rest, I did a lot of serious thinking. God had given me a second chance. I was reborn that Thanksgiving day, and now my life would need to reflect that change. As soon as I arrived home, I got my Bible out. I opened it up. I got down on my knees. Holy Spirit, I called out. You'd better get in here and help me, or I'm going to tell Jesus on you. <laughs> And she writes, looking back, I know how crazy that sounds. I came out of a world of sin. I was used to running my mouth, and I didn't know how to talk to anyone, let alone the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was gentle. He didn't come at me with anger. He was so sweet as though I'd never talked to him like that. He got right down on the ground beside me and softly said to me, Honey, go get your tape recorder and a copy of the Bible on tape, and let's play it and read it at the same time. So I did just that. Every time I'd miss a word, he'd say, go back, let's do this one again. I'd rewind the tape and read it again and again until I learned how to pronounce that and say that word. For seven years, I did this every single day. In the car, I played it. When I went to bed at night, I played it. The Holy Spirit said, Betty, if you'll play it at night, your memory's open while the other part of your brain sleeps and rests. All night long, you're downloading that in your memory. You know, when people were cruel to you, when they hurt you and all these things, uh, all these things up, up here in your head that you, you think about, as the word goes in, it's going to delete those things. My word is a consuming fire and it's going to burn up everything in your brain that's contrary to my word. I thought, boy, this is good. <laughs> she says, so I started playing the Bible every single night, all night long. In the theaters that I danced in, there were often sex movies, pornography, playing in the theater. 
I wasn't into that and I never watched them, but I could hear them playing as I was getting ready in my dressing room behind the screen. Three times a night for the better part of ten years, those evil sounds found a home in my brain. Now God's word would go in and burn every one of them out of my mind forever. Well, that's from page 73 of Mountain Moving Mama. Now, Betty Green Sedrath has preached all over the world. She's led many thousands to Christ, been used to bring deliverance, physical healing to thousands, has been used of God to start many prayer mountain ministries all over the world. And faith for all these things has come from the Holy Spirit revealing God's word, revealing God's will, God's nature, and God's power to her. And he'll teach you God's word. (laughs) Now, Betty wanted that revelation, see? She said, yes to that beginning revelation and pursued more. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled or satisfied. People can harden their hearts to the Holy Spirit's revelation of God's will or they can hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's always a choice to accept the revelation of God's will. It's a choice to believe, a choice to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit as he coaches us to release faith that's come into our hearts. And we release this faith through words and corresponding actions. Now, I could tell many stories of how God gave me faith and how he led me to release it. But my whole point is that these revelations are progressive. They go from faith to faith, and we have to say yes to each one and then want more. You should not wait for the Holy Spirit to come to you. We should be going to him. We should knock on his door, so to speak. And the Bible says, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting besides my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. Proverbs chapter 8. Now, God said to Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29. The Bible says Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And because Noah walked with God, he received faith from God. He received the revelation of God's will in regard to how to save his family and all life on earth. And he believed that revelation. He let it go into his heart. And then he released the faith by doing all that God commanded him to do. And that full release of faith to save his family took a hundred years of work. But yet the faith that uh, brought about the great deliverance uh, wasn't earned. It took work to release it, but he couldn't have bought that revelation of God's will. Now, recently, my wife, Bonnie, was praying in tongues, and then the Holy Spirit began to speak to her out of her own mouth like a prophecy, and she wrote, she wrote, the Lord gave me a word. Please hear the word of the Lord. He said, drink, 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 drink. He just kept saying, drink, 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 drink. On and on, he would say, drink. I was praying in tongues, and then out came the words, drink, drink, drink. On and on he went with that one word. That made quite an impression on my mind. Then he spoke deeply to my spirit. He said, tumultuous times are coming. You need to drink deeply of my spirit now before the great quake comes. I said, Lord, what does tumultuous mean? He said, confusing, in an upheaval, and it won't be fun. 
He said, remember how I had Elijah eat bread that lasted him for many days and he ran on that bread that I gave him? It lasted actually 40 days. And I said, yes, Lord. That's 1 Kings 19. The Lord told Elijah to eat the bread and drink the water the second time. And he went to sleep after the first meal. God woke him up by an angel and said, drink and eat some more. And so Bonnie was saying, yes, Lord, I remember that. And Jesus said, drink deeply of my spirit. Hide yourself in my spirit. Drink deeply of my spirit because I will sustain you. I will hold you up. And even though you think you will fall, you will not fall. But drink of my spirit now and be prepared for tumultuous days ahead. Unquote. Now, friend, we must walk with God as Noah did and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And as we do, he will give us revelations of God's will that will give us all the supernatural faith we need for whatever miracle we need. But those who are not hungry or thirsty for God aren't going to find him. Many will have refused his first call or said no to his first revelation. They will have stopped the progression of faith to faith because they rejected the first faith God offered to them. And friend, we desperately need these progressive revelations of God's will. Therefore, we must seek to walk with God, fellowship with the Spirit, and drink deeply of the Spirit so that we're open and receptive to every word and prompting from Him. He will be faithful to give us these things. We must be faithful to receive them into our hearts and act upon God's Word. And faith is demonstrated and released when we act upon God's Word. My sixth point is that we can become channels through which God reveals His will. Now, I've been doing a lot of divine healing meetings when I preach on divine healing and divine health, and then I call people forward who need healing. I invite the lay people to join me in praying for them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've, I've had gifts of healing operating in my life since July of 1991, but only recently have I been carefully and clearly teaching a revelation of God's will regarding healing, that it's absolutely God's will to heal people. And this has resulted in many more uh, turning on the switch of faith so that when the anointing goes into them, it can actually affect the healing because the switch of faith is turned on. The pastor at Chiloquin Christian Center, I ministered there recently, and uh, she e emailed me this uh, email. She says, thank you again for ministering at Chiloquin Christian Center. Uh, it was on October 2nd. The service was over the top filled with anointing, the word and Holy Spirit of power. So many healed, set free from broken hearts and a renewed infilling of the Father's heart for them. I took the prayer cloth we prayed over to our sister who had a cancerous uh, tumor removed from her stomach area. It was a very serious surgery and the Lord truly guided the surgeon's hands in what he called a worst case scenario situation. Yesterday, she and her husband went to her follow-up medical appointment and received the most excellent of reports. All of the tumor was removed, and she is cancer-free. We're praying the Lord will use this miracle healing to turn this community's focus back to God. Thank you for your agreement in prayer for revival and awakening in Chiloquin, Oregon. Now, I know more than ever that if the Holy Spirit will use me to reveal God's will to heal— the people will be able to believe and receive. This makes my ministry far more fruitful. Healing services are much more powerful and effective. And this has caused me to pray over and over, use me to reveal your will. 
Use me, Lord, to reveal your will. Take me over. Holy Spirit, you are the revealer of the will of God. But I yield myself to be a vessel for you to use to do that. Here I am. Take me over. Now, friend, you can pray that same prayer, and God will hear and answer it. My last point is that it being a vessel for the Holy Spirit to use to reveal God's will is a great joy. It's a great honor, but it's also a great responsibility. I just got an email this morning from a pastor in Rogue River, and uh, down in that meeting, I prayed for a lady that had a fatal lung condition. Her lungs were like something like broken glass inside, hardened, and and she was completely and totally healed instantly, went back to the doctor that week and doesn't have a single lung problem. And the pastor said that she was on her way out of this world. She was basically dying. And then, uh, well, there's other testimonies from that meeting, and we'll put them in our online uh, newsletter. But see, that's, if, if God can use you to announce his will and he can give you healing anointings, then you have a... a, a great joy, you have a great honor, but you have a great responsibility. And God has to receive all the glory for every salvation and miracle that happens in our lives and ministries uh, because he uses us to reveal his will. Being a faithful vessel, yielded to him and obedient to him will bring vast heavenly rewards. On earth, we walk humbly, knowing, absolutely knowing, we're never the source of faith. We're never the original revealer of his will. We're vessels through which he, the Holy Spirit, can reveal his will as we yield to him. Now, in order to fulfill this responsibility, let us give ourselves over completely to the Holy Spirit, to be totally his, to seek him passionately, faithfully, and to walk with him, ready for the next progressive revelation of his will, which will bring us from faith to faith. Now, whoever you are, the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. He wants to reveal his will to you. Say yes to God. Say yes. He'll draw you. He'll draw you into faith for salvation, faith for healing, faith for financial miracles, faith for whatever you need. He loves to give people faith. He just needs people to cooperate. You decide you're going to be one and say yes to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, you great faith coach. <laughs> Oh, come and coach me. Now, let's say his name together. Let's say, in Jesus' name. I love each of you. God bless you. If you would like to partner with us at Encouragement Expert, please email us at pastorbacker at gmail.com. Or you can write P.O. Box 485, Cresswell, Oregon, 97426.